Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with the photo team known as Sean and John. They have worked with clients such as Beats by Dre, Coors, Facebook, People Magazine, Time Magazine, and GQ, to name a few. In this interview, I talked to them about how they joined forces and partnered to work together. Um, this is a very interesting interview about how they approach shooting projects, um, how they kind of delegate um, responsibilities in a business where they're working together. Um, really enjoyed talking to them. I've been following their work for years. Um, they're always just working on interesting projects, be it um, still motion. They even have a really interesting podcast called The Fringe about a personal project they did about nuns who grow and smoke weed. Um, so really interesting guys, always the shooting projects, like I said. Um, so was really excited to talk to them. So I hope you enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, Sean and John, the photo duo, welcome to the podcast. Long time coming. Um, how are you guys doing with everything going on the last like two months? Um, how's everything in uh, where, where you guys are at? It's good, man. Thanks for having us. Like I said, I wish we could have done it in person, but this will this will do for now. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's good over here. I think we're probably dealing with the same stuff everyone's dealing with, but um, overall, yeah, things are good. Can't complain. Yeah. Like what are you guys been kind of doing with your time? Like, have you guys still been working at all? Any assignments or has this been pretty much dead for you? Um, what's kind of been the day to day for you during this kind of crazy pandemic thing, I guess? Yeah, we've been, I mean, we've been very busy, <laughs> uh, not necessarily with, uh, advertising or editorial work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a few things here and there and a couple things coming up, but for the most part, it's just been, um, kind of doing personal work and having personal life, uh, milestones, if you will. So I just had my second daughter. And John's about to have his first son. Oh, wow. Congrats. And, uh, he also just bought his house, first house. So um, apart from those like huge uh, areas of focus, um, yeah, we've been trying to stay busy. Yeah, it's always like kind of like been talking to you guys for a while and following you along for like a couple of years now. I think you guys like always got the pedal to the metal. It seems like you guys just always like utilize your time well. You're always shooting projects. It's just there, there's no downtime for you guys pretty much, huh? It's always just trying to, even if you're not shooting an assignment or an ad campaign, you're, you're trying to figure out the next thing, right? Yeah, that's, that's kind of been our MO lately. I think in the past, the only times where things have gone, like had a downturn for us is when we get complacent or when we're not that way. And so over time, we've kind of learned like, oh, it's slow. That means we got to work harder. That means it's time to figure out what our next personal project is. Or even if it's just like, hey, let's get in the car and go somewhere and go shoot some photos and see if something comes of it. And maybe it'll turn into a project or maybe it's just, you know, a day of of shooting. But um, yeah, we've, we've realized that like a key to us being happy and, you know, successful and keeping the the wheels turning is just always working, always trying to produce something, create some sort of work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think also uh, we realized, I think it, earlier on in our uh, duo career, we were sort of trying to figure out our identity and, and 
how, how can we get paid work? You know, obviously that's the key to surviving in this game. And I think uh, early on we were trying to follow trends and do lifestyle stuff, but it never felt authentic. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing that did feel like us and felt authentic was to do these personal projects. And that was also the thing that when we'd have a meeting or um, enter a contest or anything, the stuff that people always reacted to is our personal work, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's just, it's kind of the obvious way, you know, it's, it's the only way. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and like, what have you guys been hearing? Have you been keeping in contact with like any of your um, like ongoing clients, be it like editors and art producers? Have you kind of talked to them um, during this like whole pandemic? What are they kind of saying about like assigning work and um, moving forward? Have you kind of been in contact with any of those people during this, I guess? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead, John. Yeah, we, um, we've been just trying to stay in touch. I mean, it's kind of the same thing we're always doing is like anyone we've worked with, anyone we like, anyone we like collaborating with, we just try to stay in touch. Um, and sometimes that leads to work or it leads to just, you know, staying in contact with people, which is always good. But um, yeah, it's a weird, a weird situation to be in when the, the pandemic first really hit and everything stopped. And it's kind of like, okay, what do we do now? But I think what's been good for us is just staying in touch with all the same people and just, you know, keeping those relationships alive. And it, it feels like things are starting to move again. We're at least starting to hear about potential jobs and people trying to find workarounds and uh, creative solutions. But um, yeah, in the meantime, we've just tried to like, just stay in touch with all the people we like staying in touch with in general. Yeah, because I yeah. think- Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Yeah, I feel like you probably have something similar to this because you, you're really into sports and things like that. Uh, you know, a lot of my, friends prior to photo are not as into art and they're more into like sports and things like that so I feel like a lot of the clients that we've befriended are you know other creatives that we've we, we've established relationships with uh and just have a lot of common ground so they've just the ones that we talk to have become friends you know so mm -hmm. um it's been like a, a great way to collaborate and um uh to work together you know yeah, it's like one thing I've been trying to think about like during this whole thing is like I haven't I mean I've been keeping in contact with the clients I, I've been working with for years um, but I haven't really been like reaching out to like new clients per se I've been kind of I had some projects I shot but I've been kind of this let I'm gonna sit on for a little while so I was like I don't know what was your kind of approach to marking through this whole thing because it's like a weird thing where it's like is my it's like am I supposed to ignore what's going on or just kind of keep piling on and try to get that next like uh whatever campaign you know it's like a it's like a balance so for me I just been kind of keeping in contact with my 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 go to clients and then this kind of like I just been kind of holding off on reaching out to new people I guess I don't know if that's the right or wrong thing but that's kind of been my approach so far yeah we had um we, we've been kind of leaning more and more into email marketing. We used to do a lot of in, like print promos and stuff like that, but although we really like doing them and we still do them from time to time, it yeah. was like, we really, those are better for in-person meetings, being able to hand them to people. It was getting really expensive and complicated to mail like tons of these little books that we were making out. So yeah. it kind of worked out that we had had about a year of really focusing more on email marketing. Yep. And we had, kind of gotten better and better at it, learning how to package the work and what projects to highlight and which ones to focus on. 
and I think we had we had created what was our best one yet and it was like ready to go we had like a big uber job that we shot that was yeah. photo and video we had a thing for GQ that was photo and video we had like all these projects that we were really really proud of and then right basically right before we click send it was like everything yeah. paused. and we were in this position of like do we send it anyway you know do people still want to see this work and is it still relevant and then it just felt like no you know what this is tone deaf and not a good idea to send so we just held on to it and that was hard because yeah it's work we're proud of and we want to share it but we realized like there's gonna come a day where people are hiring for video shoots and lifestyle shoots and everything that we are trying to get hired for and that's still gonna play it just can't really play right now so we also we also uh in regards to print mailers and doing physical marketing um we actually were also about to send out um some custom books little zines okay. that we made with cool packaging and stuff nice and we have like <laughs> both of us have a huge stack of those <laughs> that we're uh kind of holding on to because you know you don't want to send stuff to let's say gq and nobody's there yeah you know like, who knows what's going to happen to it so uh we're just sort of waiting until people go back into the office um yep. to send that type of stuff yeah i think it's a smart move is kind of what i've been doing um, but I guess like, uh, to go back, like, how do you guys each kind of initially get into photography? I know you guys both live in, um, like the Los Angeles area now, but like, maybe you can kind of talk a little bit, um, uh, maybe John, you can go first, kind of, how did you kind of get into photography initially? Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up in the Bay area, just outside of San Francisco and I was never into sports or like organized sports. I was never really good at them, but I liked skateboarding and I would, I'd kind of go after I'd get out of high school, I'd go meet up with all my friends who went to different high schools and we'd go escape all around the Bay Area. And so eventually nobody had a camera. And so I like got my brother's camera and started shooting skate photos and photos, like portraits of my friends and kind of the antics we got into. And that kind of became such a regular thing that I realized that the, the school I was going to had a dark room. And even though I wasn't in the class, I was able to like, make friends with the teacher and come in during lunch and after school so a lot of high school became just about like me in the dark room mm -hmm. developing that uh and then eventually it came time to go to college and uh, my brother had moved to la and so i went and checked out the school he went to and they had a photojournalism program and i didn't even really truly understand what photojournalism was but it, it seemed enticing it seemed exciting so i was like you know what i'm just going to jump into it moved to LA, do this photojournalism program. And I was 17 at the time. I was like young for my grade. And so I moved to LA and kind of just been here since. And over time, it's, things have developed. You know, I got out of school in 2009, right after the, the financial crash. Okay, and yeah. so I had had, you know, four years of learning how to be essentially a newspaper photographer, right when every newspaper and oh. magazine was laying off their staffs and people were like, I got an internship, you know, at the daily news and they're all pumped. And I'm like, Oh yeah. man, this is going to be really rough. So, uh, I, that was when I started looking into commercial work. I, I found a couple of photographers that I really like and they were doing commercial work. And I was like, Oh, there's this whole, whole other world out there where you can make money and be creative and shoot. And so, yeah, at that point I kind of pivoted a little bit. It was, it was good. I think I learned the roots, you know, my roots were in photojournalism and storytelling, but then, kind of moved into the world of 
telling stories for brands and for magazines and stuff like that. Yeah, really, because even like looking at your guys' work now, there's a lot of photojournalism um, like in it a little bit. It's more stylized than like your newspaper photographer, but there is uh, a lot of the projects you do for yourself has like a photojournalism kind of uh, um, touch on it. Um, was that was that kind of something similar to you, uh, Sean? Like, what was kind of your start now with photography? Yeah, I mean, um, I I got started. I did some study abroad uh, programs while I was in my undergrad at UC Santa Barbara, and those were focused on. Uh, I did three of them. One was photo, and two were video. And I had some really inspiring teachers, and uh, kind of got a insight into what a career in photo and video and the arts looked like and that it was a, a real possibility that um and an exciting one and so um i kind of pivoted at that point i finished school but then i took some city college classes with one of those teachers and uh, eventually went to school at the academy of art in san francisco um, I did a graduate program there in photography. Yeah, so you guys went opposite directions. <laughs> you yeah. went south, they went north. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, and then so I, I, I did that course. Um, it was uh, very trying times for me creatively, kind of uh, go, trying all sorts of different things from fine art to studio stuff. But ultimately, uh, I think documentary style photography has always just been kind of where I feel the most comfortable. Um, and so, yeah, I think in our, in our uh, personal work, certainly, but in our advertising and in editorial, even when we do portraits, I feel like we really approach things in a documentary standpoint, uh, whether it's actually documenting something as it's happening or creating a, uh, a scene that we can then shoot like documentary photographers. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And like, when you guys kind of got out of school, um, did you guys just kind of each go straight to shooting or do you kind of go the assisting route like a lot of people do when they kind of first get in the business or what was kind of, maybe John, what was kind of your first step into the business, I guess? Yeah, there was definitely a bunch of steps between getting out of school. I mean, I was shooting when I came out of school, um, but it was, you know, little things like everyone starts with weddings and headshots and just whatever work you can get. Uh, but then it was through working for a couple of those photographers that I was talking about where I was like, oh, there's this whole world of commercial photography. So I started assisting for like little, very little money in the beginning, slowly working up till I was like, oh, okay, I can be a working assistant. And there's, you know, a whole career there, um, which I realized was a really good place to learn a lot of the stuff that I felt like I didn't learn in school. Yeah. Um, and then somebody turned me on to uh, Art Schreiber. They said, hey, he's got this internship program and it's really great. And, you know, he'll, he'll really teach you a lot of things that you're, you want to know. And so I went and uh, met with him and his team and was able to get this internship. And that's where I really feel like things went from just like working for a few photographers here and there to like really seeing how it's done on the highest level. Uh, and like right off the bat, I mean, it's a huge celebrity shoots where you know, we were at like Will Smith and Jada Pinkett's house hanging out with them while we're doing a portrait shoot. I was like, oh wow, this is a totally different world than what I'm used to. Yeah. And so yeah, I did that for four months and that's where I really like, you know, got a lot of the, uh, I don't know, I just get, got to understand the industry in a new way. Yeah, cause uh, like working like art, that guy, 
that guy's a fucking pro. Like the way that guy just approaches like his preparation and stuff and just talking to him. And I just have a lot of respect for that guy because um, he gives back a lot to a lot of younger photographers. But what did you kind of take away most from working with a guy like that, you think? I mean, pretty much everything. He he really represents like the way that it should be done. Like you're saying, giving back to the community, treating everyone on set with respect, making being really transparent. You know, like if you go to art with a question, as long as he's like not in the middle of something crazy, he'll give you all the info that he can and try to help you. Yeah. And um, it's actually where Sean and I met. Sean and I both did the internship, and so coming out of that, art was even nice enough to like reach out to some of his clients and say, hey. Here's two guys coming into the industry. Give them, take a look at their website. Wow, that's crazy. That, that never happens, man. It really is the kind of thing that only art would do. And so we took that and went like, okay, this is an opportunity. Now we got to step up to make ourselves worth him doing something like that. And that really kind of kicked it off of Sean and I both coming out of the internship and like, okay, time to shoot, time to hustle. How do we get things moving? And then how did you guys kind of partner up? I'm, I'm sure you get asked these questions all the time because it's like a very interesting thing having like a, a photo duo. I know there's more and more of them yeah. now, but it's still a unique thing. But how did you, I know you guys said you met at the internship, but when did you guys kind of decide, hey, we're going to partner up and try to build this thing together? Yeah, um, we we so we both interned for art and then started assisting. And uh, I was really into the lighting aspect of assisting. I think John eventually gravitated more towards the kind of the digital teching side. And so uh, as we were both kind of building our portfolio and shooting, uh, John eventually started a, a, a digital teching company. Um, and I was just shooting a lot and started, um, was able to get a representation with day reps. Oh yeah. And, uh, John and I were kind of just eventually helping each other on every shoot when we would do a personal project that would help him with the lighting and digital teching and vice versa. And uh, we had worked for a few teams, most notably uh, Smalls and Raskin and Williams and Hirakawa and sort of seen the pros and cons. And uh, just, I think there was like the things that my, my strengths and weaknesses matched up really well with John's. And I think we were just, uh, we were good buddies and we realized that we could work together and sort of saw the strength in combining forces. So uh, John actually got an opportunity to do our first project. It was actually our first personal project. It was a, uh, for a nonprofit and it was about dogs in, uh, dog training in prisons basically. Oh yeah, and, I think it's, I think it's called like Pause Life or something. Pause for Life, yeah. And so John got that opportunity and asked me if I would help him, and that was sort of the beginning of everything. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, yeah, because uh, I was going to ask you about that project, um, but when you're like shooting together, well, first off, you both are individual like artists. You guys were shooting by yourselves prior to teaming up, like did you guys have like a similar style and approach to your photography already? Or once you partnered up, did you have to kind of sit down and be like, Hey, this is how we're going to try to execute stuff. And this is what kind of projects we want to do. Or how do you kind of merge those two visions, I guess? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I guess uh, the short answer of that is that we had very similar tastes in photography and art. We're both pretty into like graphic, gritty 
uh, stuff that's real. And uh, we were both kind of not gravitating towards the Photoshop superficial uh, bright poppy stuff. So I think uh, early on, it was just like obvious that we were both really in the same zone. We we're both photojournalist, documentary trained, whatever you, however you want to call it. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I think having gone to grad school for, which was basically a master's in fine arts, I had like a pretty big background in the history of photography. And uh, so I had, I was coming at it from a little bit different point of view than John, who has had more of a photojournalistic approach. Um, but I think that that was like a good strength for ours. And also um, we're, we're both very similar, but also different artists. Uh, John's much more detail oriented and, and uh, thoughtful. And I'm like kind of heavier handed and graphic and like to work quick. And uh, uh, so again, th these were all just like the pieces that were sort of fitting together and kind of painting a picture of like what was going to happen. Mm. No, it's interesting. And then like, how does like this, the like logistics of shooting uh, work, maybe you could speak on this, John, like on a shoot, are you guys both shooting at the same time or how do you kind of approach it? Is it like maybe you're better at this type of style of portraits or you're going to execute this or like how do the logistics work on a shoot, I guess? It, uh, it kind of all just depends on the shoot. We've uh, We've done shoots where, you know, every shot that we do both of us are holding cameras because it makes sense that way like we did a whole project on a, a african-american rodeo and it was like a two-day event and we went in we had access but like there were a million things happening all over the place so we split up sometimes we'd work together or shoot side by side but sometimes Sean would be over by the you know bull <laughs> bull rider guys and I'd be over in the crowd shooting portraits and so it really was advantageous for us to both just capture as much as we could mm -hmm. and then we would check in from time to time and say hey I got this portrait oh that's great did you try this and so we we collaborate but kind of both doing our same our own thing in the same place but then there's other shoots where you know a, a client hires us it's like hey there's three shots this is what they are they're really specific and it doesn't make sense to have two cameras or, you know, it, that would just be redundant. And so we work together in a way where, yeah, one of us is at the computer while one of us shoots and one of us is talking to the client saying, Hey, are you happy? What about this? Oh, you want to change that? And then going and whispering in the other one's ear, Hey, try this, try that. Or just calling out, Hey, it looks better in the wide lens, go back to the wide lens or whatever. So it, it kind of works out. in our A little bit of a dance, if you will, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah every situation is different you just kind of play it by ear yeah I, I like to think of us as like one brain with two bodies and we try to just be wherever those bodies need to be to get the job done yeah. uh, and it usually benefits us once in a while someone you know one of us will say hey it's like this and the other person's like no it's like this and we gotta figure out which direction we both want to go in but for the most part it's kind of like just doing two things at the same time and kind of collaborating yeah, and also sometimes there there's examples where like, uh, say we're shooting an ad campaign and we need uh, some B-roll type stuff. Maybe it's still lifes or uh, another example is video. Like we can do photo and video together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there there's definitely advantages to having two people, um, and it it does come up in conversations with clients all the time. Yeah. And then how do you guys? Is, uh, in terms of like running a business, do you guys kind of this like delegate tasks? Like is like, 
is John, are you like the dude who like does like estimates and the kind of the X's and O's and then maybe Sean, you're the one who does retouching. Do you guys kind of delineate those like roles in terms of like running the day to day stuff or is this kind of all over, I guess? Yeah, we, we split things up. Uh, we kind of try to go with what each person naturally has a little bit more interest or, you know, skill in doing. Um, yeah, I handle a lot of the, the billing stuff and dealing with estimates, like you said. Sean, a lot of times if we're putting together a mood board, he'll kick it off by diving back into our archive and pulling tons of images and starting with something and then calling me when he gets to a good point. And I go, yeah, that's cool, but I don't like this. And then we'll, we'll refine it from there. But yeah, for the most part, we just try to figure out what each one of us has a little bit of a strength in or <laughs> what the other person can't tolerate. The other person <laughs> will try to do a little bit more of, which is... Maybe yeah. that's the truth. Yeah. But uh, we, no, we find a way of getting it all done. No, it's interesting. And like, how's kind of been the reaction, like meeting with like agencies and clients? Do like, when you show up as like a partnership, um, do most people, do they get it? Or some people, are they, are they, they think it's like different? Obviously, it is different than this a solo photographer. What's kind of been the reaction when like meeting and showing your work? Um, do you feel like it's kind of been an advantage? Like, when you're working on these ad campaigns, you, like you say, it's like another thing you can kind of market like, Hey, we have two photographers instead of one. Is that kind of part of the thought process or I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think uh, it's sort of a mixed bag. I think nowadays, especially it's not as rare to find duos. Yeah. Uh, although I think usually it's like a husband wife combo, but not always. Uh, but there surprisingly, there are a lot of people who just cannot understand the possibility of working with someone else. But kind of our thought process is that we, we're always working in teams anyways. When, when we're doing projects, especially advertising, you know, you're working with a bunch of people. And so working with a team or working with two people on all this stuff is, is pretty kind of just par for the course as far as we're concerned. I think we're both pretty easygoing, maybe John more easygoing than me. <laughs> uh, and maybe that work, that's how it works well. Um, but uh, yeah. And then in terms of like, uh, like personal projects and stuff, like how do you guys decide what you're going to work on? Will you guys work on projects like um, independently sometimes and then this kind of like come together with the work or is it always this kind of collaborating on those projects and how do you kind of make those decisions like hey we're going to spend the time to work on um, this project I guess that's kind of the same as like what we were saying before it uh, depends on the project situation you know there are projects where Sean will find something he'll be super excited about and I'm like yeah yeah that sounds cool but I'm not sure where to start and he'll be like let me jump into this I'm going to do a bunch, bunch of research I'll send you some links I'll send you this and he'll kind of run with it for a little while. And then at a certain point, we'll kind of join up and figure it out. Um, right now, things are a little more difficult than they usually are because we can't physically be in the same space like we normally are. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've kind of had to find workarounds. And so we're currently working on this personal project where we're, we have a journal that we pass back and forth, you know, we'll drive to each other's house and drop it off. Yeah. And it's a whole mixture of things with like our photos and collaging and writing, you know, writing letters to each other in it and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's been really fun, but it's, uh, it's almost by necessity been something we both have to work on on our own and then hand it off and 
not see it for a couple weeks and then wait to get it back. So um, yeah, I think just every project is a little different and we kind of have to be flexible about when we work on something on our own and when we can truly collaborate and work on it simultaneously. Yeah, it seems, it seems pretty cool. Like uh, being that you're a partnership, it's like you feel like you guys kind of motivate each other. Like you can't really slack because if one person slacks, then you're, you're fucking up the whole, the whole team here. So is that, you feel like that's being that you guys both shot independently before and then once you teamed up, is that kind of like a big advantage of being able to like, you guys feel like you kind of feed off each other a little bit? Yeah, it's actually, it's pretty funny that uh, it seems like when one person's feeling a little low or less motivated, all of a sudden the other person is just <laughs> fired up about something. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're both really uh, self-motivated and we we feel super lucky to be doing what we're doing. So, uh, and also I feel like, you know, we have bills and families growing and and like you don't need a lot of motivation when you got kids and houses and things like that so yeah. uh i think for us it's just like i think that the hardest thing is how to stay motivated when things are going really well you know when yeah. you're shooting big jobs and traveling and all this stuff uh how do you keep the pedal to the metal in between those times with personal work and marketing and things like that uh but i mean at the end of the day, we both are artists. And so regardless of what we do as a job, like we're always making things and doing projects and stuff. So it just sort of makes sense. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah there's a there's definitely a strength to having like a partner in accountability. You know, there's definitely days where I'm like, yeah, if I wasn't thinking about Sean, I could just like go hang out in the park all day or do whatever. <laughs> But like, what if Sean calls me and asks me what I'm up to? I want to have something good to say. So I'm like, okay, I'll get a little bit of work done. I'm still going to go to the park, but I'm going to get some work done so yeah. I can you know, share that with them. Uh, we also have done a little bit of uh, consulting, not consulting, but hiring consultants. We worked with this woman, Carolyn Potts, uh, for a period of time. And it was good to even have a third accountability partner so that Sean and I would work on what we would, but then we we do like a Zoom call with her or whatever. And she'd be like, okay, that's great. And that's great. But you know, you went to that networking event. Did you write down the names of the people you met and follow up with them? And we're like, oh no, we didn't do that. And she's like, okay, well you should do that. And uh, she helped us kind of figure out how to get out of this like roller coaster marketing thing that we all do where, yeah, when things are slow, you do a ton of marketing and you reach out and you do personal work. And then when you're busy, it all drops off and it's like a black hole. Yeah. And I think that was part of the problem why we would have starts and stops a lot. So now we try, I mean, we're not perfect at it, but we try to, no matter what's going on, at least have something going on as far as personal work or marketing or whatever it is. Yeah, I agree. I kind of, that's something I kind of struggle with early on is like, like you said, you can get busy and like, you can have assignments for like three weeks straight. And then you, the marketing falls by the wayside for those three weeks. You didn't send any emails out to any people. So it's like, it's almost, at least for me, maybe you guys would agree. It's like, setting up a plan so then it's just like even when you're busy it's already this kind of in place to keep on moving while you're busy pretty much yeah it's a, a lot of building systems that's one of the things that the big takeaways from working with uh, art striver he's like the master of systems he's got a system for everything <laughs> and if he doesn't have a system for it he's about to make one yeah and so uh we definitely try to follow that lead um and uh try to create templates and systems and get always trying to get more organized and and also 
be open to reaching out to, to help for help from other people, um, whether it's consulting or having a rep or uh, ask, you know, talking with people like Art or other mentors. Mm. Um, you know, we try to be open-minded. Yeah, because like, what did you guys take away from working with the consultant? Because I've never worked with them. I've been always been kind of like hesitant. I'm like, so I've always, it's probably the wrong way to look at it, but I was always just like, why am I going to ask some person that's not a photographer to tell me what to do? You know what I mean? Like they haven't gone through it, but that, I guess that's, that's probably a closed minded way to look at it. Um, but what made you guys want to like work with a consultant? What kind of took you, what did you take away from that uh, partnering with them, I guess? Well, I think the, the biggest thing that we realized is that even though we consider ourselves good photographers, we're, that doesn't mean we're experts in marketing or promotion or any of the other things. And there are people out there who that's their whole life. So yep. the one that we worked with was a rep for 20 years. So Got she it. brought up a lot of experience as far as like, why do people reach out in the first place? How do they hear about you? Where do they find you? All that stuff. <clears throat> I'd say the biggest takeaway was just that you can kind of never let down. You can never think that you're okay or just let things sit for a while. You kind of always have to be pushing and doing something. Yeah. And also that like, yeah, like same with art, there's these systems. And if you haven't built a system, assuming that six months from now, you're going to be doing what you are today, is kind of a pipe dream, unless yeah. you build a system to keep yourself on track, you know, to make sure you're doing all those things. Yeah, I like it. You've opened my mind, man. I'm going to give them a chance, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I, feel, I feel like most, most, uh, maybe not all of them are, are necessarily former photographers, but most of the consultants that I've that I know of uh, have pretty good standing in the in the business, whether it's like they were a rep or they used to work at ad agencies. So they still have great insight into our business, even if it's not from like the you know creative side. And really, like if you're a professional photographer, you don't really need help with that. That's what you do. You, you're an image maker, hmm. and that's you know you you might take recommendations from other people, but at the end of the day, like you have your own vision. Yeah. But like John said when it comes to marketing and business and all of those networking and all those other things, it's like some people just naturally are amazing at that. And some people are the complete opposite. And then most of us fall somewhere in the middle. Yep. And uh, I think working with Carolyn, she just sort of opened our eyes to different kind of creative ways to stay connected with people and uh, you know, creating like we were talking about systems for being more organized. No, no, that's smart. Um, and, you know, one project I was excited to talk to you guys about um, was a project you, you did called Sisters of the Valley, which I believe you ended up making into, you guys did a podcast last year called The Fringe. Um, what was that project all about? Because it was like really interesting series of photos. I don't know if it was like, was it like nuns or something? And there was like, they were like smoking weed and all this crazy stuff. But what was that project all about? Um, yeah, so that one actually kicked off a while back. I think we started shooting it in 2016 and we've, we've been able to kind of keep the project going, continue being in touch with the sisters and go visit them from time to time. Um, yeah, we even did a podcast about them where we kind of dive deeper into their personal stories and you get to hear their voices and hear their backstories. But, um, yeah, essentially they're, they're nuns, although they're not affiliated with the Catholic Church. They kind of started their own order, their own version of being a nun. And that includes growing weed and selling, you know, cannabis products, smoking weed. 
And so, yeah, we'd go up to their farm, which is in like the Central Valley, uh, Merced, California, mm. and hang out with them. And they do like, you know, these rituals around the bonfire and, you know, blessing the, the weed before they cut it down and all this stuff. And we just were, from the beginning, totally fascinated and totally intrigued. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of how one of our personal projects work. It's like we hear about something and we're just like, oh my god that's too good that can't be real and then we just dive into it yeah it's like it's like those yeah what are you gonna say sean sorry no it's it's definitely been our most popular project uh i mean it's pretty crazy we still like john said we've been doing that project off and on for four years now we still get hit up for syndication all over the world people are just so fascinated by the story you know it's just yeah, it's fringe religion. It's like yeah. everybody's interested in that. <laughs> it's like you saying, like, like when you know, like, because like it's hard to find a good project sometimes. So like when you find one, it's just like it's just like lightning, you know. It's just like all right, you you just know already this is gonna be a gold mine, pretty much. At least for me, like when it pops up, it's like all right, I got one. Um, but with that project, what what made you guys want to turn it into a podcast? Because it was. Uh, that seemed like a lot of work because my podcast is like pretty, I just have a conversation, but that's what you guys did. It's way harder because it's like, you're basically like essentially like writing a book almost the way you had to edit it all together. Um, what kind of made you guys want to try that? I guess. Yeah, I think that kind of was born out of uh, visiting them and, and hearing all these stories that we just realized were not necessarily impossible, but just challenging to capture and a photographic sense you know uh, some of the nuns come from really crazy backgrounds where one, one of them was a catholic nun uh, in the catholic church and opened up to us about being abused by priests while she was a nun and that led her to leaving the church and finding the weed nuns and becoming one of them and so you hear a story like that and you're like how do i capture that in a photo i mean that just doesn't you know it's it's hard it's hard to figure it out and so uh, I had bought some uh, audio equipment off a friend of mine and uh, brought it brought it with us and just thought, you know what, let's just record some of these stories and see what happens. And we had we had had a plan to do a podcast series. Each episode was going to be about a different group, and we figured the nuns were a good place. You know, that'll be episode one. Yeah. But after starting to record some of their stories, it was like, oh man, there's just too much here to try to fit into a single episode. It's yeah. going to be like ten hours long. So why don't we just make season one just about you know, the Sisters of the Valley, telling a bunch of their stories and trying to tie the whole thing together. And then season two will be about flat earthers or about <laughs> you know, ghost hunters or about whatever other fringe group, you know, we are interested. So, cool. uh, so you guys think you'll do like some more series, you think? Is that something down the pipeline you want to do, like you said? Yeah, that's that's the goal. We're, we're still in the middle of season one. We haven't wrapped it up. It, like you said, it's a lot of work. And uh, when you're recording the audio, crafting the story, editing it, putting music to it. It just it's ends up being so time yeah. consuming. So we're, yeah. once, once we finish the first season, hopefully that'll give us some momentum to launch into season two. Yeah, I remember listening to it and I was like, man, this is a lot of fucking work. I was like, if people don't realize listening to audio and this like editing in a way that people can like understand it is like a lot of work. Um, it's kind of a random side note, but have you guys been watching the, the Jordan Last Dance documentary at all? Oh, I still haven't see, uh, started watching it. I keep oh, you got to watch. It's so good. It's 10 parts, but it's just the way they like edited it together. It's just like, it's really incredible. Like I'm yeah. not, I don't do much motion work, but it is amazing to see how people can like 
compile all this footage and make like you're saying like make it make sense like you had all that footage but um, yeah i mean we love we love podcasts first of all like we both listen to a lot of podcasts and uh we also love watching documentaries so i mean uh i think it's just kind of naturally we, we love telling stories and love learning about weird stories so it's just kind of a evolution you know yeah, I could definitely see like Sisters of the Valley, like on Netflix or something for sure. Like you, you got to be right there next to Tiger King, man. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, one thing I think a lot of like photographers like struggle with is like when you first get into the business, you're like shooting like editorial little jobs here and there. They're fun, um, but they don't pay a lot usually. Um, how have you how did you guys get make the jump into like more advertising clients because i know you guys have shot for like a lot of big clients like facebook um uber beats by dre um how do you kind of get your foot in the door of those advertising agencies when you don't have any ad work in your book yeah i mean the truth is that all of our big jobs have really come from constantly putting out personal work um really like some of the entry like we shot did a thing for Coors that came from the rodeo that we shot and um the dog project has led to a lot of things and the sisters of the valley has led to a lot of things so i think uh one thing that john and i talk about a lot is like not trying not to pander to people and it seems that like if you want to get people's attention then you need to make personal work. What And that, that looks different for everybody else. But if you're making a portfolio of lifestyle advertising stuff, unless you just have great connections or uh, something, it's just like people don't want to look at that. There, it's just, there's so much of that out there. Yeah. But when you, if you do a por portrait project about something really personal to you or a documentary project or a still life, whatever your area of expertise is, uh, if, if you're really passionate about it, then that comes out in the work and people get excited about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I'll add that. I think that, you know, if at the end of the day, what really gets you excited is like athletic, you know, athletic work or whatever, and you do a really amazing test shoot of athletic work and you pour your heart into it and you make it your passion, then people will probably respond to it and react to it. I think it's when you kind of are just doing it because you think that's what's going to get you the job or get you in front of somebody, that's when it starts to feel just like you're trying too hard or it's not, the heart isn't in it. So yeah, I mean, I think that it is, like Sean said, it's different for everyone what that passion project or personal project will be. And for mm -hmm. us, it happens to be like weird fringe groups and, you know, documentary style gritty projects or whatever. Yeah. But I think honing in on what you really love and are passionate about and making that your personal work that seems to at least that's what in the past has worked for us yeah i agree people can sniff out bullshit man you know yeah. <laughs> and, and also uh truth be told it's just like non-stop grinding for years <laughs> it's really one of the other things i mean there's uh you know sending mailers doing networking uh asking friends to connect you i mean there's like there's certain people that we, you know, became friends with from working on one job. And then there's people that we've been like trying to get on their radar for years. And it's still like, send them a promo, go to a networking thing and talk to them. Yeah. And Instagram is really great for that. Uh, so like, really, it, it's just like a nonstop hustle. And uh, I mean, 
uh, one of my old mentors used to kind of say that, you know, the, the photography side of things that given if you're a photographer, everyone that's a photographer is good at making photos in some way, some are better than others, but like, that's kind of the given. I think it's like the networking, the hustle, the organization, those are the things that set people apart. Yeah, for sure. You got to get used to like, uh, if you want to be a successful photographer, successful, anything I think is like dealing with rejection. It's like, like you were just saying, like there's clients you've reached out to for years. You may have not worked for them. Like I remember early on, I went and showed my portfolio to Mullen in Boston, like 10 or plus times before I got a job. And that was over the course of like three or four years. But it was like, you're saying this keep like, don't be annoying but just kind of like whatever, every four months, every six months, it's like, hey, reach out, like, hey, what's going on? Here's my new stuff, pretty much, you know? Yeah, I think that there's that feeling of like, don't be annoying. That's what we're all worried about is like, I'm annoying these people, they're busy, they don't wanna get my email, they don't wanna get this thing, but there's so many times where Sean and I are like, are we annoying these people? And then the next email is like, I'm so sorry, I've been really busy, but I love what you sent me and I've been meaning to respond. And so, yeah, over time, we've we've decided that we'd rather be a little bit annoying and yeah, yeah, yeah. get on people's radar than have that be the driving force of trying to not annoy anyone and yet we're sitting at home twiddling our thumbs. Yeah, 100%. You got you to gotta separate yourself from the pack. It's just like keep knocking yeah. on the door. Yeah, I, they're not coming looking for you. You got you to gotta put your stuff in front of them somehow. Yeah, my approach is whenever I have new stuff, that's when I send it. It's just like, and then I kind of just reach back out maybe a couple of times, like you said, is just kind of keep banging on that door. Um, that's but, really all you can do, uh, you know, just constantly be trying to connect with people and reach out. And you never know where connections and opportunities are going to come from. And someone works at this place now, but then next year they work at a totally different place that's super applicable to your work. So it's it's just like trying to build as big of a network of friends and people that you can you know, work with creatively and, uh, and then trying to stay in touch with them, which like now, nowadays through the, their social media, it, it's easier than ever before to stay in touch with a lot of people at once, even though it's also has its downsides of like oh, yeah, yeah. Instagram and just like driving yourself crazy. But yeah, uh, it's a yeah, great place to be able to stay in touch with people. Yeah. Do you guys like pay attention to like what other people are shooting? Um, and like kind of like photographic trends or stuff or do you just kind of try to stay in your lane because like you're saying like instagram is great i've gotten like so much work from it and i think it's such a great tool but then at the same time i've gone down the traps of like comparing myself to what these people are doing and being like oh should i try this should i try that um have you ever kind of fallen in those traps at all oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's safe to say that sean and i both have a love-hate relationship with Instagram and, and for different reasons, you know what I mean? We each react to it in a different way, but yeah, at its best, it's this amazing marketing tool and a way to connect with all the people in the world that you want. And at its worst, it's a thing that like can just ruin your day or make you feel shitty about yourself or yeah. make you feel a wave of anxiety or whatever it may be. Yeah. And so, I mean, we, we trade off, we have a shared Instagram account for our work and we trade off kind of posting, you know, I'll run it for a couple of weeks, Sean will run it for a couple of weeks, and we both check in so that we can comment and talk to people and whatever. But, you know, yeah, there's definitely days where it just feels like too much. You know, it feels like you're just yeah. being inundated with so much imagery and whether it's feeling jealous that you didn't get the job that this other person got or an opportunity that they got, 
or feeling bad that you didn't post for the last three days and that you're, you know, people don't know what you're up to. You yeah. know, it can be, it can be anxiety inducing for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that one project, you kind of touched on it briefly. The first project I think you guys worked on, which was a uh, pause, what was it? Pause for life, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, what was, how did that project come about? And how, how, was it intimidating going into a prison and like photographing uh, all these guys? Like how did, maybe you could explain a little bit about that project, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, I had been taking pictures for a nonprofit, just basically doing portraits of these dogs to help them get adopted and find homes. And uh, the woman who was running the nonprofit, um, the nonprofit's called Karma Rescue. They do really great work. And so she told me, hey, we're about to start this program where we're bringing these dogs from the kill shelter into a maximum security prison. We're gonna have the prisoners, most of which are in there for murder, train the dogs you know, with the help of a professional trainer and we need somebody to document it. Would you be interested? And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I want, John wants to go to prison, man. <laughs> sign me up. But then once I started talking to her about it, she's like, we need photo, we need video, it's gonna go for eight weeks. And I was like, oh wow, this is a lot. And, and again, that was right when Sean and I were starting to kind of, he'd help me on my suit, I'd help him on his, we were already collaborating and I was like, this is perfect. So it was Sean and I, and we actually brought two other guys in to help just dedicated to shooting video so that we could focus a little more on stills, but yeah. we did both trade off. And um, yeah, it was, it was a really insane eight weeks. I mean, we could wow, tell. That, that's pretty amazing because you know, like you, you never get to work on a project for eight weeks. Like that just doesn't happen. <laughs> like uh, if, you get, if you get a three day shoot, that's like, that's like good now. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, it was, it was a trip. Uh, Man, in fact, I I was just we went the we went to the poppy fields, which are out in Lancaster. I'm sure you've been seeing everybody posting photos about that. Yep. It's actually it turns out it's like right down the street from the prison that we uh, did this project at. And I recently was driving by and I kind of got a chill, like remembering that feeling of like we would we would go to this in and out right down the road every time afterwards, and we'd just be like all sitting there like kind of stunned and like what the hell just happened and like those guys are never going to be able to sit in and out and it's just like it was such a trip and also like the all the guys were you know pretty much sweet people for the most part but yeah. like it was impossible not to wonder like are they con trying to con me like am i gonna get shanked at any moment like yeah you gotta have your blinders up i guess yeah yeah, I mean, the thing was that the, the group of guys, even though some of them were in for serious crimes, they were in uh, a cell block that was for um, people that had been un under good behavior for a long period of time. And that was the only way that they were even allowed to be in this program. Yep. And so there was a little bit of a like, all right, these guys have a lot to lose and yep. there's no reason for them to mess with us. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, when you're sitting, when you're sitting in the cell, just you and some guy that's clearly a little bit nuts and he's telling you his personal story about murdering someone, you're like, Ooh, damn. Yeah. That's an, <laughs> that is really intense, but yeah, the, pro the stuff you guys came out of it and you even have a, a motion project. I'll link it on the description or whatever, but, um, yeah, the motion project came out great. Is the motion work you you find yourself doing more and more of that now, um, or more of your advertising clients asking for like both still and motion on a lot of the projects you're doing? 
Yeah, it's been, um, it's definitely been more and more as time has gone on. Um, and we've really just tried to lean into that. You know, we've been hearing for a long time, like, if you're not going down the road to video, then you're going to be left behind. So it's, it's been a long time coming and it's something we've been working on, <clears throat> you know, starting with personal projects, like shooting video of the Sisters of the Valley and shooting video at the rodeo and all those things. It's kind of all built on top of itself. But luckily now we're at the point where when a client comes to us and says, hey, we want to do video too, we kind of understand what that means. And we're not like, oh yeah, we'll just tack it on, you know, for free and it's not going to need any more time. Like that's a big commitment. And so we always try to push to get our DP, Andrew, on board. We try to get a, a separate budget just for the video stuff. We try to build in editing. You know, we know having gone through it enough times now that like it's a big endeavor and if we're going to do it right we really got to put some put something behind it and we love to do it and it's actually nice because there is two of us so when it gets time like hey we got to cut on this scene and start on this scene you know start shooting video of the thing we just shot skills of let's say i'm kind of working with our dp and directing sean mm -hmm. can move on to the next skill setup and start getting that lit and ready to go so we're not losing time while we're catching the video stuff so it's it's been fun. I don't know. I think we've both really leaned into it. And yeah. Enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing I learned is like with the video, I've done some stuff is like you can't do everything yourself. So it's like building the team around you that can execute that project pretty much. Like sure, there's some small motion projects you can do yourself, but it's like having the base knowledge and then knowing the right people to go to for the right project pretty much is you kind of is that yeah you're building a team again you know i mean i think that there's different teammates for certain projects but for the most part we've like tried to find like a group of people we like to work with and and create you know a i guess a larger team for video and uh yeah i mean you can't do it all yourself uh, even if you were a master of all things, it's just impossible to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, video is just like such a bigger beast, uh, yeah. even when you're doing small projects. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you just, you have to have good people to work with, people you trust, people that are hardworking. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, but it is, it's, it can be daunting for sure. No yeah. Doubt. It's, like, it's like anything else is this like baby steps, like it's just like brick by brick. You're like, each job kind of builds on the next. Like I'm sure the first time you shot your first editorial portrait, that was like a big thing. And then you kind of build on it to the point where you can start shooting these bigger campaigns where there's more production involved. And then you just kind of keep building on it. Um, That's totally true. Yeah, I mean, we, we just recently did a, a sort of a video project with Uber Freight and we're uh, right before all this stuff happened, we were definitely trying to leverage that to start getting more commercial video work and uh hopefully that'll happen after this is all said and done whenever that is yeah, yeah no <laughs> also doubt. another thing we've been doing uh during this time is uh i'm getting my drone certification okay uh, so i don't know I've, I've been talking with a few uh clients and producers and stuff and it sounds like at least in the near future there's gonna be a push to try and do small productions uh and if there's a if photographers can do photo video and drone that's going to be like a huge advantage and so we have a drone and uh it just seemed like kind of obvious to just knock that out it wasn't too much work it's pretty interesting and uh i think it'll just hopefully at, give us one more thing yeah. for our toolbox 
No, definitely. And now, now that you mentioned that, I saw a commercial last night. I forget what it was for, but I think it was shot in LA and it was all drone shots of like empty highways, empty downtown. So I was like, yeah, it's yeah. like you're saying, if you got that extra tool in your toolbox, it's just like, hey, the phone will ring. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> How do you even do that? How do you get drone certification? Is it you can do that online or like? Yeah, they, I mean, uh, there's like all sorts of classes, online classes. Um, I'm doing one called... Uh, I don't even remember what it's called, pilot school or something. But then there's a bunch of other ones and it, it's essentially like an online school. Uh, you can also, there's endless information online uh, for free. But uh, having just finished going through this course, I, I can't imagine doing the process without taking some sort of course because it's, it's pretty intense and a lot of information. Yeah. And uh, it, it would be really hard to memorize all of that without kind of having some application yeah um, but then yeah once you take you feel up to it then you uh you go take a test i'm taking it on monday and um you have to get a 70 percent or better and then once you do you have the license for two years and then you have to reapply after every two years and it's like wow. yeah, yeah i mean it, you really realize it's a pretty serious thing like i think yeah because uh, i think all those drones you have to register with the, what is the faa the yeah yeah, the same thing as like planes and shit. So it's like the same. Yeah. Well, you realize like you're 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 like really playing a serious game when you're flying a drone. If it's anything more than just like a few feet above your head, especially uh, if you're in a city, like you hit some some like power lines or some shit, you could mess shit up. Well, yeah, like I, I ever since I've been studying for it, I've been really noticing like around my house or wherever I'm at uh, when helicopters have come by or airplanes, I'm like. That airplane's pretty far away. I, I, that one would never be in my wheelhouse. But then I'm like, holy shit, that helicopter is like not very high <laughs> above my house. I, I could have easily been flying my drone around there. <laughs> that's just pretty yeah, freaky. Yeah, it's it's so cr yeah, it is crazy. Crash, yeah. yeah, no, that's interesting, man. And uh, another thing, I, I saw you guys shot a really cool campaign for Facebook, the dating app. And I was kind of curious with those shoots where you're – you're creating these scenarios, like I guess you'd quote unquote call it like lifestyle, I guess, where you're you're creating these scenarios or, or try try to look real, like it's like a couple in a bar and then like a party. Um, how do you approach those shoots? Because everything is like produced and it's like I'm I'm guessing you're bringing in talent for those shoots. How do you make it look real? Because that's like a real skill, you know. Yeah, I mean that one was particularly. <laughs> particularly challenge we've done a couple of them for facebook and and uh those ones have been challenging for reasons that are outside of our control yeah but i think uh mainly what we try to do is a a lot of planning on the front end trying to be as prepared as possible and thinking through any possible scenario that could come about whether it's time related or equipment related um and really trying to be kind of play the scene out in your head before you even go through it. And then also uh, I think being open, a big thing that I feel like we're really good at is being open to things changing or uh, mistakes, like embracing mistakes. Yeah. So, you know, someone doesn't have the light pointing in the right direction and it goes off and it bounces off a wall and it looks amazing. Like live with that, you know? And I think a lot of times that those types of things have really helped us to be able to let, first of all, from a lighting perspective, find ways to make light that feels real. 
but then as far as creating those moments, uh, I, I, I think a lot of the times we just try to like not over direct people. Mm. Um, I think you like, you give them, sometimes we don't, <laughs> sometimes we'll even start shooting before they know that we're shooting. Okay. Because they're just, you know, if you're, say you're shooting two strangers, you know, and they're just chit chatting, like they're being natural. Uh, the second you say you're taking photos, they're modeling and they're posing and they're being like, they're not being natural. So we're always just trying to get people into as, as real of a circumstance, whether it's like going through an actual motion or, uh, you know, like we said, trying different tricks to kind of break it up. Yeah. It's like, it's like creating a mood or something like maybe some set you got to play music. Sometimes you don't, it's just kind of like, I guess, approaching it and trying to create that mood to execute that uh, photo, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, also, also I like, I, I don't know that we're the best at it, but like, I, I, I love hearing like these stories of like Richard Avedon, like some of the tricks and stuff that he used to play on people or the things he would say to them to elicit yeah. Yeah. certain reactions. Uh, I think that's really fun. Like sometimes just saying some, something weird or screaming out of nowhere or yeah. a lot of times uh, if we like the energy is just not there, we'll try to have like a little dance party or something just to like. Yeah. Cause there's, and, there's like a big difference between like a fake smile and like an actual laugh. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah it's just like, yeah, you figure it out, but yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, and uh, let's see. Oh yeah, one thing I saw on your website. I love this section. You have a whole section that's called snaps, where it's just like, is that pretty much just kind of your day to day? This kind of little uh, snapshots, pretty much, is your life. Yeah, essentially, it's yeah. We we try to carry cameras around everywhere we go, whenever we can, and a lot of those are film cameras. So that section kind of got born out of like all these film photos that we took while we were on trips, or took while we we're at home, or wherever we may be. And uh, yeah, it's it's a slightly different aesthetic than the rest of our work. It's not as polished. It's a little more snapshotty, but it was, it was feeling cohesive on its own. So we're like, maybe we just need to give that a place. You know, you can, you can post those photos on Instagram or whatever, but like maybe we need one place where you can see a bunch of them. And so we set up that section and <laughs> there are even times where we're like, we love that section so much. Should we just like make that, you know, the overview or put, go that direction. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it, it starts to feel like, there's a place for that, but there's also a place for something a little more polished, you know, when it comes to, you know, client work. Uh, or I, I loved it because it just, um, because obviously we're, we're all trying to make a living at this. So you have to, in the back of your mind, you got to think about how to make money from your work. But then it's still just like you started this because it was fun and you enjoy it. So it's just like a lot of times I've done this before on my website where I'm just like, I need to like have it edited down so much so this client will look at it and they'll hire me. But I think it's, it goes the opposite way for me. Like I like looking at it. It's like, yeah, you got your advertising, your editorial, but then it's just like, all right, these guys really live for this shit and they're just having fun with it. You know, it's I like, think that's, that's it right there. Like people, like we were saying, people see through that. If you're pandering hundred percent of the time, then it's just, it's but people will see right through that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that like, like you said, we got into this because we love making images and making art and taking photographs. And so, yeah, the snaps are, <laughs> a lot of those are like some of our favorite photographs, even though they're not like nothing amazing per se, but they just like represent the best of what 
you intend to do as, as a photographer, you know, capturing real moments uh, without, you know, overproducing it. And it's just like, it's very real. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, I even look back at some, when I first got into photography, I used, I had this little Lomo, the LCA, that little black Lomo camera. And it's, yeah. it's, it's like a fun camera. And I look back at some of those photos. I'm like, wow, man, those are like fun photos. It's just like a good time. Um, but you guys still shoot film a lot just for your personal stuff or just kind of here and there? It depends. Uh, lately, I've been shooting a lot of film, mostly just because I'm kind of limited to the photos I can take, you know, walking yeah. distance around my house or the errands that I have to run. Yeah. Uh, and so it's been easy to have a film camera and just for, for me, it, it limits me because if I have a digital camera, I'm like, that's cool. That's kind of cool. I'll take 10 photos here and 50 photos here. And then I get home. I'm like, are any of these good? <laughs> but, uh, but when I have a film camera, I'm like, it's got to be a really great photo if I'm going to like spend the, spend the film on it. And so it's kind of trained my eye a little bit to like really look for special moments or good light or whatever it is. Cause I'm like, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to get back to my house and not have taken a single photo. So I better like look for something really good to shoot. But and it's just nostalgic. I mean, not only the uh, waiting to see what you got part, which is definitely, I would say a huge part of the, the um, awesomeness of shooting film, yeah. but um, also just, uh, yeah, like the preciousness of it and uh, the the way that it looks. Like, I used to think like people would say, oh, you know, talk about how the difference between film and digital. And I was like, there's no, I can't see a difference. But, you know, over the years, you're like, holy shit, there's a huge difference. And like, once you get a taste for it, you're like, when you see an amazing film photo, uh, whether it's shot on medium or large format or even just 35 millimeter, you can really start to feel the difference. Yeah. Um, between like square lines and circular dots, you know? Yeah, even just the sounds of the camera and like holding my Hasselblad, it's just like, that's just yeah. like the whole thing, it's fun. Yeah, uh, we've gotten way into uh, the the dorking out on the camera gear. We've bought like all sorts of film. Yeah, yeah I was gonna ask that. Who's the gear junkie in this duo? <laughs> Who's the one who wants to splurge? There's always one, right? <laughs> we're, both we're both pretty much into it, I think. Uh, John is more sensible about when to spend money and not to, but um, we both definitely love the gear, uh, and that's definitely a common denominator, I would say. All right. Yeah, cool. we, we came from a place of owning a digital capture company, so like owning like right. full computers and monitors and cameras and lenses that we didn't even shoot with, but we just had them because of that reason, yeah. and then also just a yeah personal love for film cameras and whatever. So over time, we've had to actually like pair down like if we're yeah. not using it like we had a full like Hasselblad phase system we just realized like it's, it's not the right camera for us even though it made sense to buy it at the time you yeah. know that's not our favorite camera to shoot with so we we sold it but um yeah I think it's more challenging to try to like limit the cameras than it is to have a nah, that's that's how I am I keep it to one kit I used to have a bunch and then it's just like like some people can do it. Like Frank Ockenfels, that guy can shoot like 35 different cameras and it works. Yeah. But for me, it just looks like a big pile of dog shit. So I just, yeah, no, I I just think that's, oh. it, that's one thing that we definitely talk a lot about is how do you shoot all these different cameras and create a cohesive look? And that's really hard. I mean, Frank Ockenfels is a perfect example, probably the best example yeah. uh, of someone that can shoot something on the iPhone and on a uh, hundred year old camera and somehow make it all look like his work you know he was shooting them on uh on his 
his computer screen like webcam last week and, yeah. that was, and it was all in camera i was like what the fuck i was like yeah it was like, it. Yeah, it was like colored yeah. gels and stuff i was like I, I, i'll never <laughs> he's on another level <laughs> yeah he's he is on another level it's hard to compare yourself to frank he's just the best yeah well anyways i guess to wrap up man my last question like you guys been at this for a while um what's kind of got you inspired these days i know it's it's tough days but like what are you guys hoping to work on in the future i guess sean you want to go first sure uh man i don't know why i guess just being stuck at home and having a four-year-old to have to entertain i've just been doing tons of artwork um and really inspired by the freeness of uh of a four-year-old's mind and so we've just been doing lots of painting and collaging and building sculptural things. And uh, I think it's, it's really been exciting to get back into just like making things with your hands. And uh, I think that's another thing that makes film so exciting is that it's like a physical item. It's not just all these like digital things. But um, we, we've also been working on that, that book, the... Um, this personal project that's essentially an amalgamation of all of those things I just talked about where we're collaging and, and uh, making photographs and printing them and, and playing with those and making like a fun journal. And I feel like uh, we really seem to gravitate towards this handmade feel. And I think that that's something I'd like to continue uh, working on. Do you think that book, is that something you'll, Cause it's just like a one of one pretty much, or will you kind of like mass print it or what do you think you'll do with it as like an end piece? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm hoping that we at least can uh, share it on a, some publication. I would love to, to print it. It'll definitely go on our website, but actually right before uh, all this stuff went down, we had just finished a, a, a book project that we, are hoping to get published. So that that one was already in the queue. So nice. uh, that's step number one. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really cool. And uh, I think it's gonna be something super unique and a really awesome time capsule of this time period. So we'll see, yeah. And how about you, John? Anything you kind of got on, uh, on the yeah. platform? Well, I, I normally am not too like focused on my personal life uh, it's like kind of work is work and personal life is personal, but, uh, my wife's pregnant right now. And so I've been shooting portraits of her around the house on these film cameras. So I have the, the idea that I'm going to have photos to show my son when he's born and when he's older and that how special that will be to see like your mom pregnant with you in the middle of a pandemic, that that <laughs> kind of makes it more interesting than just like a regular snapshot. So has, has your wife been like open to being photographed? Um, is she like, is she like a good collaborator or is she sometimes not into it or that's no. actually one thing I've always admired about people that can photograph their family. Like I'm more comfortable photographing some stranger on the street than I am photographing my family for some reason. It's probably not a good thing, but I guess what's your experience been? Yeah. I'm usually more the same way where I'm like, you know, if you're not a nun smoking a joint, then like, <laughs> this is going to be an amazing photo. You know, it's easy to, to take your work and compare it to what you've shot before. But um, no, she's a good sport about it. And she, she likes that I'm documenting this process. It's, you know, something that we might never go through again. And so, I mean, we're definitely never going to go through it like, like exactly like we're going through it now. So I think she's happy that somebody's capturing it and uh, that, we'll, that we'll have something for the future. No, yeah, 
So between doing that and then I'm also uh, doing a project where I'm rebuilding, I took a shed in my backyard and I'm building it into my new office, which is kind of something I've always wanted to do. Uh, And I thought like, oh, in the future, I'll do it in the future. But with this, uh, you know, lockdown situation, I'm like, I got some time on my hands. So I've been kind of in the same way Sean's been doing a lot of the collaging. I'm like hammering and I've framed out a window and Sean's getting his drone license. You're a carpenter now. Man, I gotta get my shit together, man. I just, <laughs> I just been watching movies and shit. <laughs> you gotta have your options open, man. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, anyways, yeah. Anyways, guys, um, can't thank you enough. I'm glad we finally got to do this. I've been going back and forth for a while. Um, but for people listening, if they want to check out more of your work, um, where's the best place to go to check out uh, more of your stuff? Uh, probably our website is the, the easiest one. It's seanandjohn.com. And Sean is spelled S-H-A-U-G-H-N. Yep. And then John is J-O-H-N. Um, and then our Instagram, which is Sean underscore and underscore John. And that's that's probably the best place to keep tabs on us. Perfect. Well, I'll link it. And uh, yeah, thanks so much, guys. Thank you, man. Yeah. We really yeah. appreciate it. It was awesome. So there you have it. That was the Sean and John interview. I just want to thank Sean and John so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Uh, It was a real pleasure talking to them about everything they've kind of been working on over the course of their career. Um, Like I said, they're always shooting interesting personal projects. Um, So definitely go check out their website at seanandjohn.com. That's S-H-A-U-G-H-N and J-O-H-N. Really great work up there as well as their Instagram at Sean underscore and underscore John. Um, definitely go give them a follow. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.